All right, hey everybody, welcome back to HNB Conversations with Cosmo and Rivka, and uh, we uh, Rivka's gonna have a, a hello, a greeting in another language for us. Have you got okay, one? For, yeah, Japanese. Konnichiwa. Is that how you say? It? Yeah. Hello. All right. You have Do- a terrible Japanese accent. I, <laughs> you want that? You're yeah. so affirming. All right, so <clears throat> see, I did it. <clears throat> okay, well, me too. We have allergies, uh, so, so I'm going to do my best. I have tea, and I've been drinking, no, eating throat lozenges. I'm going to do my best not to clear my throat in the mic because Antonio finds it unbearable. Right, and so if you hear us occasionally slurp on hot tea, we apologize. We'll try to do that out of the microphone. No, as I'll well. dive under the table, take my sip, come back up. All right. Okay, so uh, we have now begun receiving some questions, and uh, Antonio has developed a... What's it called, Antonio? A A pick wheel. wheel. No, a pick wheel. A pay wheel. A pick... Um, It's a pick wheel, he called it. I googled picker wheel. Picker wheel. And I clicked on the top link, so it is going to randomize the names, and I'm going to pick the question from that. All right. So it's kind of like... like I envision, it's like you spin the wheel. It's literally just yeah, like like on the price. So is Emma, right. Yeah, right. That's so exactly Emma, what it is. See, <clears throat> so Emma has to, um, she has to do the clicking noises of the spinny wheel. Oh right, I gotta take my headphones off when I talk because I hear like a one second delay of me talking and it like slows me down horribly. Yeah, I can imagine. All right, um, so our question is from Travis. Uh, his question is. If people from another planet landed in your backyard and you had just a couple hours and ev- uh, and every movie ever oh, wait what and you had just a couple hours and every and and every movie ever made and you could only show them one that you felt encapsulated the human experience uh, one that they would carry in their hearts back to their planet that showed them what it means to be human what movie would it be P.S. I'm gonna let you off the hook and say it can't be a Jesus movie okay so it can't. So he just said it can't be a Jesus movie, which is fine. But here's the thing. I think you say one movie that you think. I'll say one movie that I think. And then we have to back up why we think that's the movie. Yeah. So so I'm not um, – I am i don't have an artist's mindset like you do, right? So my brain – with certain things, you ask the question, and my brain is flowing with ideas. Airplane? No, not airplane. I have, you know, I go Princess Bride or Karate Kid. Airplane? (laughs) Um, I only knew the airplane movie in the edited for television version. If they they watched the Karate Kid, they would think that everybody has to know karate or they're going to get beat up. I I didn't say, I just said those are the first two movies that come to my mind. Ah, okay. Um, So something that would encapsulate the human experience. I'm going to let you go first. On this because um, I need I need to have my <clears throat> thought process kind of jogged a little bit here okay well I think that's a uh, a really cool question <clears throat> sorry for clearing my throat I think that's a really cool question but it is a really hard question because you want to try and find something that gives you all the different aspects of what humans are like and humans can be quite ugly and emotional and go through all kinds of things. Emma, <laughs> Emma mentioned that she thought that, um, what was it you thought, Emma? I was joking. I said, the Godfather. 
<laughs> she said the Godfather trilogy, I think, would have anyone running for the hills if that was the case. So I don't think it should the be the Hunger Godfather. Games. Not no. the Hunger Games. No, not the Hunger Games. See, the Games. Hunger Games if I came to this planet and all I thought was that it was going to be the Sopranos, I would be like, I'm not staying here. These are violent people. You know, I, uh, I do have we a are. movie we that are. comes to mind, actually. And it's one, it's one that has been around for a few years, but we hadn't seen it. And we just saw it recently. Um, it was a movie called Lion um, that we saw on Netflix. And it was about this, um, this boy in India who um, was lived in, you know, he was in a place of poverty and he would go out and he had to work and he was with his brother. And, and, um, and this event happens where he gets separated from his family. And so, uh, cause it's not just about the question doesn't even say, talk about the human American experience. It says something about the human experience. And so for me in this movie, um, I see, um, I see the bigness, mm -hmm. the the mass of humanity. Mm -hmm. I see the uh, the wickedness of humanity because in the midst of that, there are multiple times where this little, I mean, the sweetest, cutest little boy, you see the beauty of humanity, and but the sweetest little boy almost gets uh, sold into, He's gets smart taken too. into slavery uh, a couple of times. <clears throat> and he ends up getting adopted by a... Uh, Australian, Australian couple. couple and so then there's the aching the longing in him to he knows that his family doesn't know where he is he and so there's the search that he has to find home again um, it's a it's an incredible um, incredibly moving uh, movie for me that yeah I think when we finished watching it we were just like that's extraordinary yeah it's an extraordinary so movie. to me it, that's uh, that's a question that could in uh, that's a, a movie that it doesn't make it it's not a glorified version but it's also not a villainized version of humanity that you see like there was the couple in australia that they had determined they were able to have children but they actually determined that there were children who needed homes and needed to be loved and so rather than having their own they were intent on finding on, on adopting children who needed rescue. And so you see this compassionate uh, uh, heart that's in the in humanity as well um, that reflects really, you know, snippets of the image of God. And then you see the exploitation that reflects the brokenness of, of humanity. So, so that's the movie that first comes to my mind. Um, I think that's a really good choice. So beat that. <clears throat> the... Um... I know my throat. It's awful. No, I said beat that. You didn't hear oh. me. Oh, this is my competitive nature. Oh, you want me to beat that? <laughs> okay. I thought no, you. I'm... I thought you were like, like, like concerned about my throat and my constant like <laughs> chest issues or whatever. But you're like, no, beat that. Okay. So, um, I don't know. I think I think that there's a there's so much that you could show, um, in in humanity, um. Or shown a movie, but it'd be really hard. My first, my first instinct was, you know, basically the Bible, because or but but we're not allowed to pick something Jesus wise. Like the chosen, like 
the chosen sure but that's a series so that's another thing like what are the guidelines here are we allowed to choose like a trilogy or just movie that's available so you could send <clears throat> yeah i suppose anyway we like could, a trilogy or we could send back the one D, the one blu-ray set of, uh, of the chosen or something you know anyway go ahead like well, but I'm, that's gonna, still a I'm gonna say thing. you have like a you have like a five hour time limit you know like because there are movies that are like four and a half hours if they're crazy right. long so, so the let's first... say you have a five hour time limit so the first thing that comes to my mind, and and I I'm, I'm sure you know you might agree with this, but the line was a really good um, thought. I hadn't even considered the line or whatever it was called. It was good though. But honestly, the the if I was going to show people, first of all, I, w- I would tell them that humans are the way humans are throughout all of history. So whatever story is being presented is about how humans are in the nature of who they are not about their clothing and culture and stuff because the whole like we all operate in the very same way we all operate that's how come you have psychology and you have psychiatrists who deal with different people but using the same kind of principles there's nothing new under exactly but i think if it were me i think i it would it would have to be if it was a okay if it was a tv series let me just say, if it was a TV series, I would say. Can, can I say that the, mm-hmm. the long lead up here and the smile that keeps coming on your face uh-huh. is making me uncomfortable. I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> what? <laughs> she just said rugrats. Yeah, rugrats. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. No, if if it was. Oh, now I'm forgetting. Wait, see, this is what happens. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay. No, what was I saying? TV show. Okay, if it was a, it's it, it's all of it's ah, ah okay I remember I remember I would say Little House on the Prairie if it were a TV show. I think Little House on the Prairie does a really good job of showing loving fathers, abusive fathers, loving mothers, hurting mothers. It shows children. It shows things in adversity and things in wonderful times. Illness. I think it just covers like we always skip everything. the adversity ones. We're like oh this which one's... is a lot of them, but <laughs> but. We have a lot of adversity in well, this All the life. kids are in the schoolhouse dying from pox right now. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They get real sick. From pox? A, a pox of sorts. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I don't remember the pox part, but um, I think that if it were a TV series, I would go with Little House on the Prairie. If we're going with a book series that they can take and watch, I would say a really great book series in my opinion would be pride and prejudice because you see a lot of the different character traits of pride and then you see people in their folly and foolishness you see um, redemption you see hurting for others Mm -hmm. so if I was going to go with a book series that they were going to put into excuse me Antonio, you better not be keeping count of my clear threats. I'm, I'm not. I am going to say, though, so far you've given two answers that don't answer the question. <laughs> no, but so. I'm, giving, I'm giving a well-rounded answer. Okay. 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 So then, but if it were a movie, I would have to go with Anne of Green Gables. All right. So so here's my, here's my knock on all of those. Okay. Um. It would be 
certainly a nice depiction of humanity. No, I think there's a lot of no, trauma. No, 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 no. You don't think that Anne from Anne of Green Gables hasn't been through trauma? In an, any okay. other life, she'd have burned right. the family house down. Okay, you get from past the opening scene where she's a foster child and she's dealing with having Abuse, to help the lady take care of the parents died from a crazy. disease. But you don't see mm -hmm. um, enough of the pain and uh, and poverty that's epidemic in humanity. Nah, they go through World War One. Gilbert gets lost. Oh, for crying And she's got to go something? find him. Can I say something? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like, which which version of Anne of Green Gables? Because what you're talking about right now is a miniseries. So you're talking about a movie. Yeah, this is a movie. No, it's a miniseries. That's, that's it's a, true. It's Andrew a two-episode miniseries. So what movie? Because, okay, if you're talking about Anne of Green Gables, are you talking about like the Netflix adaptation, Anne no. with a knee? What are you talking about? Like, which no. movie? No, no, there's The 1991 one. version. The only one is the Canadian it's, one. Th but that's a miniseries, so that kind of doesn't the, fall into the, the criteria. I think girl. of it as a movie. I mean, they're all redheaded because Anne is redheaded, but you know what I'm talking about. Megan Follows is the, is the actress in that. That's the only one. That was 1985, was, not 1991. Okay, so, so maybe The Hunger Games is a great a great analogy for a movie to send back. Like, by the way, I don't know if you want to stay here. This is kind of how it goes. The reality is, the reality is that The Hunger Games, it's dark. And it's... I think without the Lord, does, we tend to be dark. It does have this, um, at least a wide view of of the way that sometimes entertainment um you were gonna say are you gonna say fiddler on the roof no i'm I felt not like going to say fiddler on I the roof like you, that is were not... you about to break into song no. i think she was i think no. i she had her hands above her head and was about to start snapping no. and singing if i no, were i had an I, like, idea she was in she was she was poised to do so no that's not what i was saying i think honestly the um i think it's like 2000 or 2019 um i think it was 2019's uh um scrooge their uh that version of scrooge so that's also that's a not mini a miniseries series. no it was a three episode you're talking about the one on fx on fx that was a three episode miniseries but it's a whole movie it's but, like one whole story but that's though. that's what a, so that's what a series me, is that's so a, like I a show is two hours one. to depict humanity that's why the, it's a question that's why that's kind of the it's now I'm gonna have to go with it. the Hunger Games. Which one? Which one? There's oh four my gosh, of them. Guys, <laughs> you guys, no, no, you know, uh, okay, yeah, I mean, because, because again, it, I think in terms of to give a snippet of what humanity is like, you know, uh, Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no thanks. So no Marvel movies, thanks. Well. Well, I think uh... I think that would be that would be my thing. I think on any one of those and, and just because someone decides to I mean, just because it's a trilogy or it's an ongoing and you can't fit it all into two hours doesn't mean it's not like a movie. Right. Of and these, oh, yeah. Obviously, of course, these aren't of other than these aren't our favorite. I mean, they're certainly not my favorite movies. I just saw Lion for the first time a couple weeks ago. Uh, Lion like the animal. Um yeah, I think Hunger, it does too. Hunger Games is yeah, does. I mean, you see poverty, you see the uh, people who are taking advantage of, you see You see the, people entertained by it, yeah, making their like even even like in Roman times where they were throwing people in the in I mean, it's yeah. cuz it's not like those kinds of things and, don't happen. I, I mean, and if and if 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 the 
if the alien uh that, aliens know, in hunger games no no no. you know the question is based on oh people yeah aliens people from another planet for them right? to take it home if you don't want them to want to come back want them to come back over, sure so you, you don't you don't want to send them like yeah that, the green i mean so are we talking like, that's beautiful yeah. <laughs> Let's go back and take that. He wasn't with an ulterior motive of saving humanity. It was just to show them what they're like. Not sharing sharing our cultural experiences. But but according to the question, they're not coming going, so in your opinion as a human, should we take over or not? They're coming, Mm -hmm. in my mind, in a peaceful way, just wanting to know what this planet and what its people tend to be like. I like the, yeah. I like the. Div- I think if you just watch the, the news, like the it would diversity. scare them off. I like the diversity of. Um, that's the other, the diversity in Lion. You get kind of Indians, India, and Australia, and you kind of get at least a, a wider well, spectrum. The districts in the- and that, the- you want to take yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's really hard. I'm like two seconds delayed. In uh in the Hunger Games, there are the different districts, and they were over like you had. You had, um, uh, what would you call it? Like, over Hunger Games now? this is my time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> you have like the districts who are over like the fields and there are the districts who are in charge of the electrical, yeah. um, the electrical districts that work together. Those. Yeah. Yeah. But and everyone isolated. works together, but there are different, um, there are different like parts and, um, the different ethnicities as well. Yeah. They're because isolated. it's our world. It's just futuristic. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I have. And I think it also depends on honestly where you are in your own life and what your own experiences with humanity have been as well, because I can hear my mom in my head being like, that's a terrible thing to tell aliens we're like, you know what I mean? And so um, but it actually if you give an actual depiction that includes that that side of humanity, it. It's it, a reason for the redemption of Jesus. It well, not just that. It makes it more yes, and it makes it more amazing that in spite of all of that, mm-hmm. for God so loved the world. Yeah, that. So we send them with a movie, and then we send them with a Bible. So yeah. gonna, there you go. So if our decision is to like, we don't tell it, them for, about the Bible. Use, we can't talk about that. Is to use the Hunger Games for like a well, like kind of like show that side of humanity. Then let's let's loop back around and look at the Godfather. Why not the Godfather? <laughs> I'm telling you both my suggestions. Well, the Godfather right. would show um, how. Yeah, it would show how people use I can use religion to cover up their that's true. their their murderous uh, you know desires at the end. And so. I can on but you see a lot of prejudice and all that kind of stuff in Anna Green Gables. I'm just saying that when Anne accidentally got Diana drunk, I mean there was no forgiveness there for a long time. Okay. Yeah, and you see yeah. All right. Let's everyone give him like dispersed applause. I love just slow. I love You're thanks, so great Antonio. Question, Travis. Love you. Thank buddy. you, Travis. That was a really great question. Okay, next question. Spin the wheel. Um Okay, so this is a this is a bigger question. This one's longer. It's a kind of a three parter. So um, this one is from Jonathan Dabney. Um, he says he asks, uh, "How should believers approach politics? Does our conduct as obedient citizens give glory to God, or does it strip Him of it?" And how can brothers and sister in Messiah who are having differing political opinions 
uh, yeah, political views still bring the fragrance of Yeshua to this fallen world. I can smell the smoke. Can you smell the smoke, Cosmo? I feel like a fire is coming. <laughs> Those just, are scary questions. Yeah. You know, one of the things with, um, when we don't have the questions, uh, even if we heard them right at the beginning, which... We uh, didn't. Well, the movie one we heard because I had uh, part of it, uh, but we didn't have much time to think about it. Um, uh, the one thing we, we always... I don't ever want controversy, but I'm happy to answer the question. Um, but again, these these are what we think. The, this we're not trying to tell others what to think. They're asking us what we think. And so, 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 so give me the first part of the question. Like the first question is really broad. So, say it, hit hit me with it again. Um, how should believers approach politics? Um, I can give you what I think. If you, since you're thinking, well, the question. The question comes down to what it, what politics are, right? And and we're talking about the um, the levers of, of government. Yeah, the, the, the question, the, the email was titled uh, Believers and the Government Based on Romans 13. That right. was the title of the series of questions. Right. So you should pull up Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. And let me open her up. I'm in. Romans 11 here. All right, Romans 13. Verse 1, Let every person submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and, the, and those that exist are put in place by God. So whoever opposes the authority has resisted God's direction, and those who have resisted will bring judgment on themselves. For leaders cause no fear for good behavior. Uh, for leaders cause no fear for good behavior, but for bad. Now, if you don't want to fear the authority, do what is good, and you will... Get his approval, for he's God's servant for you to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not carry the sword for no reason, for he is God's servant, an avenger who inflicts punishment on the evildoer. Therefore, it is necessary to be in submission, not only because of punishment, but also because of conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, attending diligently to this very thing. Pay to everyone what is due them, tribute to whom is tribute is due, Tax to whom taxes due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the Torah. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, or any, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fullness of the Torah. Oh, we can just stop there. And I, so, um, you know, when Paul writes this, the the emperor, I believe at the time, is Nero. Who so, was awful. So he's not a righteous emperor. <clears throat> No, and, and if anything, he's, he's dealing. Uh, Paul is dealing in general with, um, with what government is supposed to be accomplishing, right? Um, I think, I think in the end, um, I, this is. Uh, I think as long so, I think you can do all of those things. I think it's really easy for us to use these things and say these things when it benefits us. That's where I was going to go. When it doesn't benefit us 
and were being lit up as torches along the road as they lit up Christians, um, there was still no call to rebel against Rome. These or are, to raise arms. Or to raise arms or to anything. It was persevere in the Lord in, these, in, 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 <clears throat> in this way. And we see who God is and we see the heart of Jesus. What's supposed to make us different in our faith is that we don't respond like humans do. So if you're going back to like what would aliens think from movies that we watch and see the human, how humans act, there's a lot of beauty to humans, but there's a lot of ugliness as well. But all God is is love. And so if we're supposed to be projecting who God is and show love in all, in, in, in every way, whether it's with government or whether it's in relationship or whether it's with a terrible employer, it doesn't matter, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't matter who it is. We're still supposed to be showing the love of God. And so what does that look like when we don't like what the world looks like, when we don't like how the politics are heading, when we are scared for what's happening in our government? Does that give us license then to behave in an anti-biblical way? Right. So so one of the things, of course, we live in, an, in a what, historically speaking, we live in a unique kind of government. Um, you know, for most of history, you don't have a government that is of the people, by the people, for the people. Um, and so, or where you have peaceful transitions of power. Um, and so, but, but within our own experience in my, in our own lifetime, the thing that I, the thing that when I, when someone brings up Romans 13, I, this is the thing for me is I find I have a problem with when it is when it is conveniently brought up. So when there's a leader in power that is that is not of your political persuasion and then and you say, "Well, I'm going to and 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 you feel free in the United States and that's fine to criticize and so forth and to to demean that leader." Um, then when your preferred leader is in power, you have to give other people the, that to see that they have the right to do that. What well, it's I, treat others the way you want to be treated, so not the way you think they deserve to be treated. Right. So what we, what I saw, you know, look, let's just, I saw that, um, I've seen that when, uh, when believers, when it was, you know, our guy in power, all of a sudden, if anybody said anything like, hey, I'm not sure about this, uh, or, or, or would criticize it, they would quote Romans 13. But when the, when the other guy is in, then, they, then they're like, nah, he, I don't believe anything. And he's they're rationalizing, and then they like to cherry, cherry pick the Bible to be able to defend their fleshly position. Right, of, so, and it, it, a lot of that comes from fear, where we say we trust the Lord, but if we trust the Lord, then we shouldn't be pulling for ourselves. We should actually be looking to emulate more and more and more who God is to try and change our world, not to take up arms or whatever. Well, right. Peter says in First Peter chapter 4, verse 1, he says, when he goes through the attitude that Yeshua had, when they hurled in chapter 2, in chapter two he says, when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And then Peter goes on to talk about through chapter three, he's he's addressing believers that are sometimes even in uh, family positions and difficult positions where they're not in, where they don't have a believer leading 
right? And he's saying, submit, even if you're a, a slave or a servant at home, submit not just when it's a good uh, ruler, but when it's a bad one. That's what would make us right? different. And then he says, he leads off, he leads off chapter four by saying, take up arms using language that's militaristic with this attitude, with this mindset that Yeshua had. So the, the, the weapon that we have is countercultural. It's not fighting the power of this world with the power of this world. So the question about even how should we approach government, first of all, our hope is not in politics or in government. Our desire is not to say, okay, so what's the need of the world? What's the need of our nation? Yes, we want to, um, in local ways, say, hey, if we have, if we have a, the ability to make to influence policies where we are, then we want to do so in a way that protects the weak, that takes care of the hurting, that takes care of the broken. We want, you know, we want our tax money to go to help the hurting and the broken to help because, because that's Yeshua said, uh, he calls us to that. And so if he's for that, that, that's good. We can, we can, with what is at our, at our disposal, we can certainly use those rights, but to suggest somehow, um, that see we know that the hope for our nation is in yeshua like we know that up in our heads but but often what i what i've seen demonstrated over the course of my i used to say short life but it's less short <laughs> um it has been that we put pin our hopes on the rise and fall of political leaders and 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 when when it's not our leader or our or our Congress or our whatever, then we're like, oh no, the world's falling apart, and we don't have the same praying for pr prayerful attitude toward our leader. To just be to be plain, most believers that I know are not are not huge fans of the current president. Um. Well, to the point where people we know will be like, he's not my president. Right. So how does that fit in with this scripture? scripture? So, so to me, that doesn't demonstrate. We're supposed to be operating with a principle, with, with underlying principles that don't, that don't twist and change. <laughs> to benefit us in the moment. Right. So that, because often what the actual underlying principle is for people is, what works best for me and if and that that me first mentality and that's our that's our bent that's our propensity that's our the the direction that we lean so so um the question is here what i love here in in what paul writes he, as he rolls into here's why we pay taxes he rolls in into what really matters he says okay so don't basically okay don't owe taxes but more importantly, don't owe any man, don't be indebted uh, because you haven't given enough love. Mm -hmm. there, where there's a void of love. And so what, when the last part of that question asks about how we can be fragrant, I love the, the wording of that, um, of that question. How can we, how can we approach politics in a way um that is that bears fragrant witness to our hope. I I, I know I'm I'm doing most of the talking here. Um, I heard a, I heard a uh, um, 
heard someone talking about how they liken the body of Messiah to, you know, I'm a, if you don't know, I'm a sports fan. I'm a huge sports fan. And they likened the body of Messiah to being like, as a prophetic voice, to being like referees on a football field. If a referee is actually doing their job, they're calling penalties for both sides. They're not wearing the uniform of either team. And and if they are doing their job, they're bringing they're bringing a rightness and a justice to the game. And and but on one level, they're when they speak forth the truth, neither team is a fan of them. They're not in the they're not on the sideline for either team. And so our job is to recognize um, that we're not ambassadors for any political party, for any form of government. Um, Well, governments are a man-made institution. God didn't even want Israel to have a king. He wanted to be who was looked at, not because God didn't know or understand the benefit of government. I mean, God knows everything, and he has his own form of government, but... Because man is corrupt. It doesn't matter how good man is. Because we are flesh and blood. Okay, this is right. Because because we are flesh and blood, because we are born into sin, because we have a, uh, a human nature, we can be corrupted. Power corrupts. And um, when Jesus came, he didn't come at a time where Israel was thriving. He came at a time where Israel where the Jews felt <clears throat> that they were being completely oppressed. And he didn't say, you know, fight against the power. He said, let me explain to you who God actually is, because you've gone off the mark a little bit here. And he began to speak the language of love, which is why so many of the, so many of those that weren't necessarily a part of, you know, I would say they were secular people, but they weren't secular because nobody, you know what I mean? But people were flocking to him, the poor and the weak. And that's why the, the Beatitudes is this really beautiful, precious thing that, that so many people wanted to sit and hear about, regardless of how hungry they were. They wanted to <clears throat> sit and, um, and hear because it was news to them. They had, they didn't realize who God was. We see a more, um, we see when we look in the Old Testament, we see a more, um, I don't want to say vengeful God, but he's God's, the Lord says that vengeance is mine. So we're not actually, vengeance is not ours. God can choose to use his vengefulness or his, how would you say? Vengeance. His vengeance. Thank you. God can choose to use his vengeance how he chooses to use his vengeance, but he doesn't call us to be vengeful. He calls us to show love. When we look in Revelation and we look at the churches, one of the biggest issues that one some of the churches have, and one of the churches specifically where they look so great and they're doing so well and they're doing all these things, but they don't have love. They're not actually a church of love. And so God says, so you don't have anything, regardless of how wonderful you look on the outside, you don't actually have anything. Right. He says it's to the, it's the congregation at Ephesus. Yeah. He says, yeah, you fight doctrine, you fight bad doctrine, you do all these things, but the love that you had at first, you don't have anymore. And, and, uh, I, I think, I think when we no longer have empathy, compassion, and a broken heart, like a true broken heart for those who are hurting and lost, but we feel anger and vengeance and a need to self, um, to, to, what's the word I'm looking for? 
a need to self-preserve. Most of what we do is out of self-preservation. We just like to pretend God wants us to be preserved. When actually, God calls us to let go of everything, including our lives. He says, when when you are persecuted, rejoice because they persecuted me. So now you're like me. Um, when we were first going on the mission field, and I've told this story to a few people, and I and I, um, it took me I think 22 years or 23 years actually to really understand this story. But when we were first going into missions and everything, I um, we went to a mission service and it was they had us come, and it was their missions week, and so they were talking about all these different martyrs, and we have books and books and books filled with martyrs. If God didn't want us to lay down our lives, if God, first of all, why would, why would God, um, why would God, uh, I'm, I'm losing my words. Why would Jesus come and exemplify dying for people who don't deserve it at all? And he was absolutely innocent. Why would he say, now be like me and go love and all that if he wasn't having the same expectations of ourselves? Right. We we sit and we talk about how he wants us to have this and he wants me to be so comfortable and he wants me to be so happy. And not that any of those things aren't true, but those things come from obedience unto the Lord. Those are the blessings of having obeyed the Lord, not the world having obeyed the Lord, but the people who know God. Those so who are whether by my name. right, so whether it's Israel or whether it's us as believers. So the story goes is that this it was in China. And there was a family, and they were leading this a congregation. This is the story from the mission. Yeah, someone was sharing their yeah. testimony. Well, no, it wasn't their testimony. It was a story. Okay. And and so it's this Chinese family, and they're believers, and they have a church or whatever. And the government finds out, and this is a while ago, because I don't know how much right now they do that in China. But um, And so they came, and they came with their guns and everything, and they wanted the family to line up. They were going to kill the family. And um, the son ran off into the forest because he was so afraid. He ran off and he hid. And they were looking for him. The soldiers were looking for him. And he was hiding. Um, And his father called him out from the woods and said, no, come, come. It's okay. Come be with us. It's okay. And then they were all slaughtered. Now, I'm listening to this. And I have little children. I think we just had three at the time. And I'm, I'm here as a missionary trying to raise money for missions, listening to this martyr story, and I just break down weeping. And I feel silly because here I am. I'm supposed to be the missionary, but I've heard this story and I'm, I cannot stop crying. And my thing for not stopping crying is because I'm like, Lord, please don't ever ask that of me. Like, oh my gosh, don't. I could not imagine having to watch my children die. I could not imagine having to sacrifice that much like that's God's love right that's how God but I'm not God I can't imagine that and when I've told that story over the years people always go why would the father do that because our first instinct is not only to self-preserve but is of course to preserve our children so why would the father call the son out of the forest to come and die with them when he could have saved himself and so probably a year and a half ago for all these years this this is a story that has run through my mind run through my mind over and over again as I've had more children and they've grown up and 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 been in this country doing ministry and things like that and it occurs to me one day as I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I'm, I'm thinking about this story again that the greater testimony wasn't about self-preservation it was about being willing to die 
for your Lord because this is not the purpose. Mm -hmm. This is not our destination. We know that where we're going is the true kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a spiritual aspect of things. It's not a fleshly it's li thing. It's li life as God intends. Well, right. But that's that's in the that's ultimately that's eternity right. for the most part because i mean as god intends sure we're obedient but life's pretty awful people die people get sick sure. all of that and i think the greater testimony these soldiers could have killed those people and that kid ran off and he'd have been saved and they'd have been on to the next family but we have no idea what the testimony and the faith and the trust in god that it showed when he called out his son and said come here it's okay right. and they held each other and were willing to die for this cause that they fully believed in that is the greater testimony is when we act in the opposite way to our flesh our flesh is like anybody else right so, so like the question in the question antonio yeah. the the reread the reread the whole question because i want to i want to like uh like all three parts all three parts okay how should believers approach politics does our conduct as obedient citizens give glory to god does misconduct strip him of it? How can brothers and sisters of Messiah who have differing uh, political views still bring the fragrance of Yeshua to this fallen world? Okay. So, so um, in the answer to the second question, by the way, Peter actually says quite plainly that when you're punished for I'm doing... I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> That's my watch talking, Siri. Um, when you're punished for doing evil... You don't get any credit for that. When you're punished for breaking the laws, you don't get any credit for that. That's not, that's not a, uh, you know, something that you get. It doesn't glorify the Lord. Um, the, to back up to the first question and to go in line with what Riv was talking about, I, I would say when, it, when the question is asked, how should believers approach politics, I guess I would, I would back up to go to, for all of us to ask the question, why do we approach politics? What's my rationale? When I, when I uh, approach politics in any way, what's its purpose? And if we're honest, beyond the surface, we can, we know, we can know right answers to give. You know, everyone's, I just want to serve my country and so forth and so on. But is the driving motivation to serve myself? Is it about protecting my rights? Is it about protecting my property is about protecting my fences. It's about protecting what I have, what I want. It's it's ultimately, um, is it is it genuinely? Is my motivation to say I want this to be, for instance, in the United States, to be a nation that has that has liberty and justice for all? Am I concerned about the hurting and the broken and the poor? It, what is what is driving me? Because what I often hear is everyone afraid of what's going to be taken from them. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was in in high school. Oh, my whole life I'd heard that you know about when they had taken prayer out of schools, and everyone has always bemoaned this thing. You know, oh, everything fell apart when they took prayer out of schools. But you know, I was in high school, um, in a public school. And I brought, and when I got really serious about the Lord in my sophomore year, I brought my Bible to school with me every day. I talked to people about the Lord. No one ever stopped me from praying. Every week, 
I gathered around. Nobody a, stops kids from praying. I gathered around a flagpole every week, and 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 prayed with my friends. Nobody stopped me from praying. Nobody, you know. So so the second question: Why are we pursuing this? And the, and the, so the other question is: well, Is self preservation? And then like you were talking about, but then also, are we looking to change our nation through the imposition? of our of what we want on people do we think that we can lead them to life and to hope by imposing our our values on them or or does this become are we supposed to be engaged in inviting people into a relationship with the lord because the imposition of laws even when the lord himself gave the laws to the people and in a theocracy it didn't even even then, it revealed the rebellion in humanity's heart. That's where the law revealed the sinfulness in us because we refused to even submit to his law then. So do we think we're going to change hearts by imposing laws? Or is our job as the people of God to be loving people and leading them to know the freedom that comes from him right. and to being filled with his spirit? Right. But that comes from our actions not what we say. We're really good about speaking the Bible, saying it, teaching it, all of that. We've really not done well in actually living it out. Um, <clears throat> and it's not just us that knows the Bible. There are, there are plenty of people that study the Bible that don't believe it, but they want to study it because they want to know, are these people actually living the way their Bible actually says for them to live? I want to address the, um, the prayer in schools. There is no longer the ability for adults to lead. For people in places of authority. Authority to lead kids in prayer, which I personally support because I want my children to be able to walk out their faith, not someone with an opposing faith, to lead my kids in a different spiritual right. way. How would you feel, right? How would we feel right. if our kids were in a classroom where someone who, like on the extreme level, because mm -hmm. this happened actually in South Florida, where you had someone who was like, uh, involved in like Wicca or Satanism or whatever that was a teacher and they were lead they wanted to lead their class then since they had the in in that mm -hmm. kind of prayer how would we feel about that I wouldn't want it wouldn't want so that. we have to make rules that that work for everyone it's not like we get to pick and choose you make a law and this is a law that the fairness of that law is that everyone's on an equal playing field right. um, <clears throat> because we invite people to freedom Right. The other thing is, you know, I've, I've, I know, I, I know that the people who don't usually agree with me, um, they're, they're coming from a good place. They come from a place of, uh, of a desire to serve God, a desire to basically be militant for the Lord. And, and, and I think that's good in words like, yes, we want to be vigilant and, and militant for God, but that means that you're going to be militant lovingly. That means that you're going to do the word of God, like to be really, really hardcore in doing that to me. That's what that means. Um, but uh, a lot of people have been like, you know, well, this is America. Yeah, this is America. So then I guess what we have to decide is, am I an American first or am I a believer first? Mm -hmm. Because they are two different things. As an American, I can say, I want this, 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 and I agree with all of these things. But as a believer... Even, even if I don't agree with those things, um, if these are the laws of the land, I comply with that. But I personally don't behave in that manner. 
That's why it's, it's, you know, you're of the world, but not, or you're in the world, but not of the world, right? right? That's why the fruit of the spirit is not the control of others. It is self-control. And if people see self-control, if they see love, if they see true forgiveness, if they see all the attributes that Jesus continued to project, people come in droves, people that you would... The love of God, the Holy Spirit is so powerful that it tears down walls. When people just want to fight you, it's because they feel like they're under attack. Right. You you know, there's, uh, and and here's the thing, we can get hung up on, like, look, I was much more comfortable about talking what movies we want to send with aliens. Sure. Right. Because because people get a lot more um, uh, passionate and sometimes... Sometimes there's there's a vitriol that's associated with any discussion of politics that um, when that when that begins to rise up within me, it's a red flag. It's a red flag to what's going on in my heart because what you see Paul talk about there in Romans 13, he comes back to love. It, you, you know, Rev, you mentioned uh, as you were talking about the quoted from. The Hebrew scriptures where the Lord says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But Paul quotes from that too in Romans chapter 12. And he says this. So so by the way, so because for everyone, do we believe in the, the right of the second, the second Amendment and all that kind of stuff? Sure, but stop it. I, I, I get so sick of people, every believer that I encounter wanting to argue over the Second, second Amendment. Well, to the point where you have politicians where, that they're saying that if Jesus had guns, he never would have had to like, have been arrested. Like, knock it off. Which is okay, totally missing have, the point. You can have have your gun and everyone wants to they want to quote the one verse where jesus says to take up your sword you can take your sword with you now um that's the one the one verse but just quote this one bless those romans 12 14 bless those who persecute you bless do not curse rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep live in harmony with one another do not be proud but associate with the lowly do not be wise in your own eyes Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to what is good in the eyes of all people. Not just what's in the eyes of you. That was my addition, not just in the eyes of you. Verse 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live in shalom with all people. Never take your own revenge, loved ones, but give room for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says Adonai. Rather, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. He is thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing so, you will heap coals of fire upon his head, which, again, is it has to do with a purification, uh, a sanctifying. Uh, so how can we be fragrant? That's how. If your enemy is hungry, don't curse him, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be, come over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good and so that's where how can we be fragrant first of all don't get don't get drawn into the vitriolic angry furious fear-mongering rhetoric and an unbelieving world is watching and what they need to see in us is love and joy and peace slow to angerness when it you you know when my kids when my kids have a disagreement 
I don't want one of my children to take out their vengeance on the other child because I don't trust their judgment toward each other. We tell them, you bring it to us and we'll deal with it, right? So that's what the Lord says. He says, it's mine to deal with, not yours. You bring it to me and I'll deal with it. And here's what we know about the Lord is that he is slow to anger. He's over, he is overflowing in compassion and in kindness and truth. It's not your job or my job to decide that we're going to be the, the, the wrath of God expressed. Our job is repeatedly, 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 we're told to love, to love our enemies. To, if you love those who love you, Jesus says, Yeshua says, big deal. Even the, even the pagans do that. They're supposed to, if we're gonna be fragrant, if we're gonna be fragrant, then we turn the other cheek. Then we don't, then we're not overcome by evil. But the way we overcome evil is by loving, by walking in his goodness. That's what we're called to do. You know, if, <clears throat> if we were meant to be different than the word of God says, then it would say something different. What we tend to do is cherry pick, create our own faith, and we make ourselves God. Because we choose to interpret it the way we want to hear it, the way we want it to work for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is not worship of the Lord. No matter what name you walk it out in, Hitler killed Jews in the name of Jesus. It didn't mean he was right, nor did it mean that Jesus wanted the Jews murdered. I just remember, I remember, and you know, anytime you name politicians' names, everybody gets all up in arms. But just hear me out here. I remember in 2016, as soon as Donald Trump became the president, my Facebook feed for eight years had been filled with believers continually posting memes and terrible things about Barack Obama because they didn't believe, didn't agree with him politically. And fine, I didn't agree with a majority of the things he did politically. That's fine. One way or the other, it doesn't matter. But I saw them treating him in a way that didn't look like like Jesus or look like what the Bible called us to. But the moment, the moment that, that the, their guy became the president, suddenly people were quoting Romans 13. And I'm like, where's Romans 13 been for you the last eight years? You don't get to cherry pick which verse and when. The principle is right. the principle. Mm -hmm. So what we're supposed to do <clears throat> is we're supposed to be consistent and we're supposed to walk in humility and we're supposed to walk in love. We're supposed to be a fragrance in the world. I love the way the question is asked with asking how we can be fragrant because, because I think a lot of what the world is experienced by people coming in the name of Jesus often has been not fragrant, but a stench. Yeah. I, I, I want to make the point too, to say that historically, and this is why I believe God calls us to operate in a different way. And he didn't come back and do it the same way. Historically, everybody has always done it, but it is in a different way where historically, anytime a government tries to mandate its faith, yeah. it never works. And not only that, within a faith, you have many different sects of faith who are constantly going to be arguing and fighting and burning people at the stake. I mean, that's what we have seen repeatedly. And it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter if it's England and, and the Church of England way back when, when you had Queen Elizabeth, where she was like trying to navigate Christians versus, or Protestants versus Catholics, 
or whether you have um, uh, in Muslim countries where if you don't do it the way they say to do it, they're going to kill you and they suppress everyone who is different than they are. Does that make you believe what they believe? Right. It doesn't, it doesn't work. That's how come God doesn't try to control us. It, that's how come God doesn't try to control us because he knows and wants for us to decide that we want this. There is no controlling. There are consequences, sure, but there is no control. When I try to control my children, it never works. When anybody tries to control anybody else, it doesn't work. So even in among believers, because a part of that question was how to deal with like opposing believers that have different opinions or whatever, those are their opinions or those are their, that's how they vote or that's how what they believe and how that's how they feel. And that's between them and their maker who they will answer to. As long as you are walking the way you know the word of God plainly says to operate and you don't sit there and try and just find the right book that says what you want to hear or find the right scriptures that you can cherry piece and put together and just omit other different passages or, or pretend it doesn't apply to today and age because it's an outdated book or something, then then um, we're supposed to be respectful one to another, treating each other the way we want to be treated, not the way we believe this person deserves for us to treat them right because we all deserve to be dead and in hell well look look at the long term look at the long term consequence of what you described in terms of um for let's call it forced evangelism force evangelism you know god has called us to make yeshua known to the jewish people and our jewish people for the most part the vast majority of them do not know jesus they do not believe in jesus it's not because they've studied the scriptures and that they've looked at the prophecies in Isaiah and looked at the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures and they've lined that up with the New Testament and then decided, you know what, I don't believe this. No, they don't know the scriptures. They barely know the Hebrew scriptures, much less the New Covenant scriptures. They certainly don't know the Gospels. Um, but they've made their determination about Jesus and about whether he's the Messiah or not before you and I have ever gotten a chance to talk to them. Why? Because of the cumulative effect the cumulative effect of those coming in the name of Jesus, trying to force Jesus on, trying to 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 make him to put them in a headlock. Look at the Crusaders, say, right? That's the through, but for centuries and centuries to do that, and so now, the the long term consequence of that is a resistance and a rejection and a rejection, which is what the enemy and the enemy has accomplished that through a people who are coming in the name of Jesus. He's, they've twisted and distorted who he is. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be guilty of the same thing. Right. And and I just need to say this because I'm sure it's going long, so we need yeah. to end. But I just want to say this, that there are a lot of people, especially throughout 2020 and since then, that I have heard repeat this statement where they're like, it doesn't matter how Jesus' name is getting out there as long as his name is getting out there. And that's absolutely wrong. That's false. God absolutely cares about who you're saying he is, who you're projecting he is. And there is nothing that brings the wrath of God than when you are lying about him. We have an obligation as believers to project the love of God, to project what the fruit of the Spirit is, to be walking out our faith. When we look just like the world, but we come in the name of Jesus, it's, it's, it's grounds for repentance. Okay, and here's the thing, though. See, as soon as you say that and you use that language, when we look just like the world, so a lot of uh, believers think in their minds, they're thinking about people who 
maybe overtly do worldly things. Or I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not, uh, you know, I don't, or legalistic kind of things. I don't drink and smoke and party and go to my, and go to clubbing. And I I don't look like the world. I'm not wearing, you know, mini skirts and yada, yada. No, no, that's not it. (laughs) Mini (laughs) skirts. What I'm saying is we want to reduce what looking like the world looks looks like to something that we can, that we can um, draw a picture of. But, but when we're trying to, rule the world in the worldly way of control and dominance and through the levers of power that's the way we think we're going to change the world we're doing it in a worldly way that's what they keep kept trying to have jesus do they kept trying to say okay now will you take your kingdom now will you overthrow rome now will you will you basically lay their lives down and he says no if you want to come after me you must deny yourself take up your cross and follow me and following him doesn't look like uh, what the what following the it, it we keep saying we well, want to we want a king like all the other nations but he's well, not a king like the other nations and a lot of people will say well the whole purpose that we're doing what we're doing is because we do love the world and we do want to save the world and we do want to do all those things but your motivation is not one that is trusting in the Lord your motivation is one that is doing this out of fear mm. It is fear that says, but we've got to do this because what will happen if we don't? Right. Instead of going, my trust is in the Lord. And regardless of my circumstance, regardless of what I see, regardless of who spits on me or who, who comes to my door with a gun to kill me, I serve the Lord. And this is who God looks like. And he will be the vengeance. He will be the person who goes after those people. It's not my responsibility to. This is, this, and I I know we could talk forever about this. This is where in Isaiah chapter 30, what all through the Lord kept saying to his people, trust in me, lean in me, lean on me. Right. There were literal military threats coming from outside. And the Lord says, I'm going to take, take care of it. But the King and the people in, in, in places of, of leadership and power, they, they wanted to come up with their own plan. And so they gave God sort of like, you know, gave him a salute like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then went and wanted to make their own alliances. And so the Lord says, in repentance and rest is your salvation and quietness and trust is your strength. But you said, no, you said, we don't want it. We have horses. We're going to, we have military. We're going to ride off on fast horses. And the Lord says, therefore you will flee. You you'll flee, but you're going to be being chased because you want to operate with the levers of this world rather than trusting in me. And then he waits for us to trust in him. But we keep saying, we keep giving him, he says, these people are close to me with their lips, but they're far from me in their heart. And so we can give the lip service of, yeah, yeah, I trust the Lord, but our heart trust is in the levers of government, is in the levers of the military, is in, that's what we're looking to. That's where we're placing our trust. And the Lord patiently waits for us to lay that down and trust in him and look to him. Well, he says, be still and know I am God. And I don't think that we be still very often. We do not be still. We don't be still. We don't. All right. Well, we're going to talk about movies again, are we? <laughs> no, I think we're All right. So good. anybody, if you, if you, uh, more questions for the picker wheel or pick, pick wheel, yeah. whatever. And uh, don't say angry, mean things to us. If you feel angry, mean things, ask the Lord to search your heart and know yeah, your it's heart between the and the w- cleanse, and this the cleanse is that you can disagree with us, Yeah, but we're not interested in engaging in an argument or a fight. Nope. Um, You're welcome to get a podcast. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, uh, love you all. Walk in his love. Walk in his love. Be a fragrance in the, to the hurting and broken world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom, shalom. Have a beautiful day.